Mr. Pop. They were doing Brian long after Brian had stopped doing Brian. They replaced me with a Swedish female version of me. <laughs> this is Rock and Roll, your weekly shot of sport and music with Kevin Hillier, Brian Mannix and Mark Fine. Well, it might come as a big surprise to some people that last week's episode's actually finished because it seemed to go for three and a half months. Welcome to Rock and Roll, the podcast that has a, a little bit of a sport, a little bit of music, a little bit of news, a little bit of controversy, a little bit of Brian Mannix, because there is only a little bit of Brian Mannix. Oh, Daddy. Hello, Brian. Hello, Kev. How are you? I'm a bit tired today. But, oh, um, we'll go through that because well, you've actually worked, which is oh, quite a breakthrough. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And, uh, and of course, a lot of Mark Fine. Hello, Finey. Hello, Kevin. Hello, Brian. Now, I, I imagine because of our ultra-professional previous episodes, this will seamlessly just be another award winner, but there's a big change in this episode. Kevin, are you, are you going to um, inform the listeners? Yes, I will, uh, and they'll see a little photo, which will uh, have the bronzed and mounted on the wall, which is the three of us can now see each other, even though Brian's either got someone yes. just come to the front door or his phone's just gone off. My phone just went off. Another the another offer from LA for an acting but job. I find he's taking it to a whole new height because he's lounging on the bed yeah. with his phone and it looks like he's Hi. got that come hither, come hither look. Looks like a sex tape. Yeah, it's like, it's welcome to rock and roll. <laughs> I've been waiting for you all night. <laughs> Call me now. 4.95 a minute. Wait till you hear my selections. Oh, good God. Uh, yes, careful what you wish for. All those people who wanted us to go to the kind of Zoom-type platform and we're on Riverside FM, uh, uh, careful what you wish for. Um, now, I've got to ask, no. I want to start with Finey because I know you've got a lot to, we've got a lot to unpack with you, uh, Brian, to use the modern vernacular. Finey, how was your week? Oh, yes. Yeah, good, busy, um, a few things on the go. And just today was really hot and I really struggled with the weather. It's like the first hot day and I never do well. I love hot weather, but I, I sort of struggled today. So it was good. This, Like Brian, I think I'm a bit tired, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to be sort of um, charting. I'm into uncharted waters with my top and bottom three this week. I've, I've done something that's not been done before, so I'm really looking forward to it. Okay. Uh, well, you haven't alluded like me to doing it. Something that, pardon? <laughs> it looks like you're doing something that hasn't been done before on the bed as I look at you. But anyway, sorry, Kev, to interrupt. <laughs> uh, I look like, uh, uh, I mean, this is not great uh, podcasting, but, you know, there was an episode of The Simpsons where Monty Burns was, uh, Homer was ringing around wanting to get people to go to Flanders shop and he caught Monty Burns just on a weeknight and Monty was on a heart-shaped rug with his sort of ankles crossed, legs crossed at the ankles with slippers on and <laughs> eating chocolates out of a heart-shaped box. And Homer goes, I need you to come to Flanders store. And Monty goes, sounds delish. And I've got the sounds delish pose here. I'm no, like I think a, you have. Yes, a girl. And I'm, I'm, I might be Giglet's long-lost sister. <laughs> screenshot. You should get a screenshot of this, Kev, and so everybody can see it. Well, I can. I can do that. I can, I, can, I can do it. I will do a screenshot of this. Oh, you can do I'll it. I'll do it right now. Oh, okay. Here's the, here's the technical wizardry of Brian Mannix in action. 
So anything we exciting know. happened this week, Findy, that we should know about? Any breakthroughs oh. in medical science? Any, uh, any uh, you know, did you invent anything this week? No, I didn't. I, um, look, I've got to the point now. I mean, uh, are we going to discuss the Omicron strain of COVID? Yes, we might. We can do that yeah, right I'm now. Saying, I've to. got to the point now where, and I sort of trust, I, unlike Brian, I trust Daniel Andrews. There's no more lockdowns. I'm not going into lockdown again. I don't care if they get the, the you know, the the coca-licious, you know. I don't care what strain they get. I'll get If I get it, I get it. If I don't, I don't. I had a test this week. I, I did some broadcasting of a sort with somebody who ended up testing positive. I'll, no names, no pack drill. Um, I don't want that thing up my nose ever again, but I'm not it's, – it's game on now. Survival of the fittest. I don't care and I'm not fit. <laughs> so you tested negative. Did you have to hold up? Uh, the, did the family lock you away from the rest of the family? Did oh, you, have to- so, you know, I told them that, you know, I've got to take a test. It'll be in the morning and for seven hours – I'm, I'm not kidding. I was in the back room of the house. It was quite a cold night. I had a couch but I had no – blanket or no pillow, whatever, and I went out to get the blanket or the pillow and I just heard from the other room my wife say, get back there. <laughs> so you were banished into uh, into the attic, cousin it. Yeah, no, it was un- unclean, unclean. Well, fortunately you came out negative, which is good. Yeah, and, and that test that I took, it's got a touch of the pregnancy test about it. You know, so you're looking for the line. And that goes, is there a line? I said, we haven't even had sex in the last four weeks. I mean, I don't think there's – oh, sorry, yeah, no, there's no line. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> now, Mr Mannix. I went and had a COVID test today and they didn't give me a line. <laughs> <laughs> but they do stick something up your nose, I tell you what. <laughs> yeah. It is a I, bit, my girl was gentle today. They were quite gentle today. Yeah, it is. But it is. One that gives you the brain scratcher. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I got. Yeah. Because my wife administered it. <laughs> yeah. So you had a test today, Brian, uh, because? Because I was supposed to go and visit my son in Adelaide You today. want to travel, yep. Yeah, and because he bought a house and I wanted to go and have a look at his house. And um, then it, since I bought the tickets, they decided that you have to have a negative test within three days before you get there. So... I lost the money for my flight and I'll try and get another one tonight and hope that the COVID test negative comes in before the flight takes off. Right. Now, uh, you've had a busy week. You, you mentioned you're a bit uh, bit tired, a bit seedy because uh, it started Friday with your appearance yeah. at the Businessmen's Networking Lunch with Ricky Nixon and Dane Swan. And Warwick Kappa. And, yeah, it wasn't a good way to start the week really because you, you go pretty hard with them guys and um, – so, yeah, I lit, the lunch started at 12, I got picked up, and then I got home at 1.30 in the morning. So it was a good lunch. And then the next day I had to go to a party and do a gig, and then I had to work again on Sunday and done a lot of travelling um, and found out that I'm not really match fit. By mm. Sunday morning I had hardly any voice. I didn't think I'd be able to do the gig. I had to croak my way through it, but um, and my body ached a lot. But anyway... Those are probably good problems to have. Okay, and you got. Work- Hang on, rewind. Yeah, you mm. did a businessman's lunch with Warwick Kappa. No, he was just a guest. <laughs> what, what, he wasn't what, speaking. What, what, well, he wasn't what was supposed the, to be. What speaking. was the business that Warwick 
was talking to the, what was Warwick talking to businessmen about? Oh, he was just talking about himself. Yeah. Um, as as he tends to. But Dane Swan was what a lovely man. Oh, Dane's I've done stuff with Dane. He's great. He's really good. Yeah. Yep. I, I, um, I didn't think I'd ever, you know, really be impressed by a Collingwood person, but um, I found him to be a very impressive young man. Mm. He's a, he's a and he's a generous bloke. I did a gig with him, and he took you know a couple of us out to um, very nice Japanese restaurant. He's just a nice guy, yep. and and he's really got a very um, uh, for me a very um, sort of uh, centred approach to life, given that he was a Brownlow medalist and <laughs> champion footballer, he really understands that that is a part of his life, well, that he was very good at football, that's all. Yep. Yeah, very I, humble. Good stock he comes from too. His dad's very down to earth and a uh, knockabout bloke, so, you know, he's never. I don't think he was ever going to be one of those blokes. He'd get ahead of himself once or twice, no, but he'd get, no. he'd get pulled back pretty quick. Yep, yep, exactly right. Pulled back pretty quick. And so, so what did you speak about at the networking luncheon, Brian? Did you your, – um, your... A large part of it was dedicated to um, my little episode with the police and and how that all came about and the word F. Dan Andrews was being bandied around a little bit. It became a bit of a running gag for me. It worked out quite well. Mm-hmm. And then just, um, oh, you know, Pivotal points in your life when you went, okay, why? What suddenly motivated to turn things around and that sort of thing? So, yeah, it was it was it was good. I didn't speak for about fifteen minutes. It was easy. Beautiful, Brian. You know, your incident has created quite a bit of intelligent at times heated debate amongst my family. Oh, we had the whole extended my side of the family over on on Friday night. So there were nineteen of us came up again. Because mm. um, I had a bit of a discussion with my wife about it. Yeah. So some some people think down here that um, you're just nuts for sort of at this point in time doing anything that could be construed as threatening. Yeah. Um, I, I, I there was one thing you said that really resonated with me, and I I won't be swayed on it. There's no use in coming and saying that we're here because we thought you might harm yourself eight mm. hours after the thing went up. I mean that yeah. is just not true. So don't lie to, you know, don't, that's, you know, if you're going to be heavy-handed, at least have the cojones to say, mate, we're here to make sure you don't ever do that again and count us, not, we were here to help you. Because that's just rubbish. But but the other thing too was if I was a menace to society, you come with your guns drawn. You don't just knock on the door and say, oh, you step outside, please. You know, they didn't think I was a threat. They didn't think I was going to commit suicide. And their lack of procedure for both incidents suggests that I'm right. Yeah, I mean, it's just I, 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 my sense is that, you know, you've been, mate, you've been uh, highlighted. You've been. Yeah, I have. You've had a circle put around your name. Yep. It's all right. Yep. I went through school with that. I used to go to classes. I used to go to the next form in school. Yeah, you know, day one when they read out the Rolex of the teachers, it'd be like, um, you know, Alan, Alan, Free, oh, they'd be after me. It'd be like, you know, um, Ron Edwards, Ma, and they'd stop halfway through my name. Hmm. Oh, there's some. Hang on, just a moment. There were notes with my name before the year started. That's mm. all right. <laughs> that's, that's all. That's carryover points. I used to say. Were well, you? Uh, are you? You got siblings, funny? Yeah, two older sisters. Were they good at school or bad at school? Um, one, 
one was not great at school. They went to MLC. One wasn't great, but she got through and then she did what – so what did girls do that couldn't get into uni? What course did they do? Arts. Bachelor of Arts huh? normally. No, there was a, a, a course oh, – first of all, she had to do some deportment because apparently she was a bit, you know, a bit rough around the edges. But, mm. I mean, and then it was it was the short – where you learn um, shorthand and typing. What was that? Oh, the yeah, commercial course. Yeah. Yeah, there's a famous one in Melbourne, you know. My ex-wife did that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but she's, she met her husband. Like they're – so they're 10 – they're almost 11 years older than me, her and her husband, but they met when they were 13. So they've never had another boyfriend or girlfriend. Mm. Um, really? That's a scary we, concept. We were commenting on Friday night. They still sit next to each other at the table and they're whispering and whatever. Oh, yeah, honestly, but not dissimilar to a first date. Wow. That's pretty impressive. Get over it. <laughs> just, oh, that's um, impressive, just, I think. Just back on the police just for a second. Yes. Are they back again? <laughs> yes, they're back again. <laughs> um, I got a phone call from a number I didn't, a- didn't answer it. Then I get a message to call Senior Constable and um, she's organising a diversion and I need to come down and sign it. So I borrow Bartolo's car and I drive down to the police station and um, – because she's saying, you know, the firearm incident, and I'm saying, no, I want plastic firearm or imitation firearm. Don't write it down as a firearm. It's got to be made clear what it is. So anyway, I signed the doc document and then, just for good measure, make a donation of $300 to Beyond Blue, um, show us the receipt in 28 days, otherwise you go into court. Wow. Right. Liz Beyond Blue is a good cause. I believe in Beyond Blue. Yes, me too. And I suppose it'll be tax deductible, but still. Yes, it will be. Mm. Yeah, um, it's, that's just $300 off your taxable income. It's not like I can claim 300 bucks. You need to do what Gilbo always did. What's that? Every year there was some benefit for the police, and he always used to make sure that he did a spot there. Yeah, right. So he did one spot for this benefit for the police, the, I don't know, annual fundraising, whatever, and then he'd walk home half cut from the pub <laughs> three days a week and the police would roll and go, no, 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 in terms of counterbalance, was counterbalance 48 hours afterwards, they should have said, right, you've had your credit. But three, yeah. honestly, every Saturday night it was like, oh, the, mate, that's no, Russell, he's all right. Leave him, <laughs> uh, good on him. Good on him. Someone's got to get credits in the book for those sort of things, I reckon. What about you, mm. Brian? Did your your brother, your older brother, Chris, yes. were, did, when, when your name was being called out at school, were they looking at you going, oh, he's younger brother of... Chris, ooh. Um, look, I always felt like that. Because you're I an remember, altar boy, um, so it was he? Yeah, yeah, he did everything before me. Oh. Learned to play guitar, altar boy, went to a dance, learned to drive, all of that, you know. Had, the guy, had eight cops over at his house the week before? <laughs> He's working on that. He's working, that's a, yeah. You um, beat him, finally, Brian, you beat him on the punch. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's, um, yeah, he's. No, he's a terrific bloke, and I forget what my point was. What was so you didn't get you didn't get because my my little brother, who's five years younger than me, he copped the ah. So you're Kevin's brother, are you? Yeah, 
Yeah, my brother, I think my brother wasn't loud or obnoxious at school. Well, yeah, uh, neither my, was I. My, Kevin, mm, yeah. come on. Sorry. People are trying to listen to this and if you're going to just lie. <laughs> <laughs> you know the greatest disparity between two brothers that I've ever heard of? Yes, also it, disparity. Both probably great blokes. I don't think he won. He was a ripping bloke. But I imagine he was very different to his brother because I'll tell you who the bloke was in a second, but his brother was a, a senior advisor. He was an economist. He was a senior advisor to one of the um, – not one of the one of the parties treasurers, not one, but a re, you know, so a major senior economist in Canberra, and a so a, a senior public servant, right. and the other bro- brother was Martin Pike. Now, <laughs> now there is sort of a, a difference there. I feel. <laughs> I mean, oh, I know Pike. He, he's very very intelligent, very funny. Um, he, I'm not going to say he's an angel, but uh, but he's a uh, you know. Very personable bloke. Yeah, it's inter- it is interesting when you meet brothers who are that polar opposite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me, me and my brother look really different, but then yeah, you do. Sometimes when we smile in our eyes, we don't. And people always think I'm the funny one, and he's the smart one. But he's really funny. He just doesn't. He's just drier than me and doesn't push it out as much as me. And I'm occasionally a little bit smart. Not on this show, of course. <laughs> that, that, no, you're very good. That That's funny about comedians. This is Gilbo again. Gilbo and a group of mates in Footscray and Brooklyn. And they used to hang around, do everything together. It was, I, I met a few of them. Boppo was one that stood out. There were a few. Mm. I don't know if you knew, know of any of them, Ken. Yeah, I do. I know most of them. Now, I'm telling you, this is a fact. When they hung out together, and you do this when you, you hang out with your old schoolmates or whatever, because they all they used, always used to meet at Gilbo's place because Gilbo, Gilbo had um the, oh, what did he call it? The, um, oh, when they went out the back to have a bit of a smoke, uh, it, it was a, early, a cabana or something or whatever. Uh, his mother used to go, are you, why are you? Those dos, what is to call them? You know, incense sticks. Russell, stop with those dos sticks. I can smell them a mile away. Anyhow, um, but when they got together, Russell was the least. He wasn't even considered the funny one. He was, you know, Boppo really? and, and one of the other ones, guy Smith. Maybe Boppo was Smith. Yeah, um, he was Stephen but, Smith. Yeah, but they were the they were the dead. They were so funny and poor. You know, and Russell, they they go they say to Russell um, things like um. Russell, why don't you try telling a joke for once? <laughs> <laughs> Russell goes, he's, and he's bloody funny, Russell. And yes, they stop him halfway through and they go, no, that's Boppo. Stop it, Russell. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, I've, I've done a couple of Braybrook functions with Gilbo and, uh, and yeah, they just, they're like a little pack of, um, of chipmunks and they sit there and, and he is the least chipper of the lot of them uh, oh, because he just sits back and lets them go. Oh, they, they were fun. They stood on the hill at Western Oval they, in the forward pocket. Yep. Now, I'm not going to say a couple of things they said because probably today that's so, totally politically incorrect. They said something once which I would never repeat to Phil Cracker. Now, I was very lucky after football to become very friendly with Phil. And on my life, this was like 20 years later, I brought it up thinking, you know, I'm just telling you, you know, but I was friendly enough with him to say it. He goes, I remember exactly when it was said. <laughs> <laughs> And he goes, I remember it. And you know why I remember it? Because 
I then went to play for Footscray, and the first time I played for Footscray in that pocket, the same bloke yelled out, sorry! <laughs> <laughs> it was to do with the front cover of National Geographic. I'm sure it, uh, sure it wasn't wasn't in any way uh, acceptable. To, his conversation, though, with the bloke about the fact that what's, what was acceptable 20 or 30 years, you can't try people for it now. No, no, that's right. No, you can't. Yeah, it's you can't just, put today's values on no, the past. We've got to stop doing that with stuff. Uh, you know, I'm, su- I'm surprised Black Friday oh. has got the old clear. The bla- all the you heard, day. all you heard for the last seven days on uh, radio and television and uh, and any media anywhere was about the Black Friday sales. But isn't that inconsistent with other things where we've had to take the word black out of things? And I don't understand it. But you know, it's a crazy world. That's a very good point. I hadn't even thought about that, you know. I just saw it tonight when Maya had this BLK FRI up and I thought, gee, is that's pretty gutsy for a major company to be promoting Black Friday. I, I don't know. I, I'm not Aboriginal or First Nation, but um, I reckon that could be offensive to some. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's from America, though. Yeah, it is. It's an American. Uh, big well, they've got more black people than us. Yep. Mm. But, you know, in America, they tried African-American for a couple of decades. Yeah. Black people now just want to be called black. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they're sort of proud of their skin colour. Whatever it is, that that is their preferred term, you know. i tell you what, speaking of black people, there's a great show on Netflix called True Story and it's, I think it's Kevin Hart, but it's, it's about a comedian with a dodgy brother who it's a bit like Breaking Bad. It moves really quick. You know, this yeah. guy's a really successful comedian and then shit just starts to go wrong really, Oh, I've really seen the quickly. trailer for that. Yeah, it is, really I think it is good. Kevin Hart. I watched about five episodes last night. I've only got two to go and that's probably why I'm tired so much. Yeah, hang on, Brian. <laughs> All that work. Well, I had to, I had to uh, you know, Wind down. calm down. From the work, I was having no, a lot of anxiety. I, I do it all the time. It's funny because now you can watch TV shows and if you really like a show, like remember in the olden days, yeah, now you're going to tell children what happened. You, you won't believe it. There was four stations <laughs> and they had no. black and white. And if you liked the program, you have to wait till the next week for the next episode. <laughs> yeah. If you missed it, you'd have to – you couldn't watch it again unless you carried Packer. And when it got really good – They'd break for like eight months. Yeah. yeah. So so now you can watch, you know, you like an episode of something and then you go, oh, I'll have one more, one more, yeah. one more. And then before you know it, it's sun's coming up. Yeah, you I'm go, saying that's oh, shit. literally the sun is coming up and you, your wife <laughs> comes in. You're not still watching it and you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you do, you do what I do? I, I'm if I if I watch the first step of something and I really like it, and I know it's a short term thing, it's only going to be six. I'll wait until it's finished and then watch the whole lot at once, rather than mm. if they're doing it, feeding yeah, it through yeah. week yeah, at a time. Yeah. There's still some things they do feed through at a week at a time. Successions one they do, um, Yellowstone's one that comes through on a weekly basis. But you're right, most things now you can watch the first ten episodes and go wacko. They did. I like yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, one of the stage, one of the. Providers is called binge, isn't it? It really it panders to our inability to have any patience or any decorum. You know, it, it is the equivalent of sort of saying, you know what, 
people like donuts. So we'll make we'll, you, we'll make the minimum order of donuts eight, and then people will just get used to just eating eight donuts. Yep. And mm. with TV, apparently you can do it, but it's it's the same sort of impulse thing, isn't it? It's like yeah. I've got to see it all. I can't wait a week. Yeah. We, if we if you leave us to our devices and make us wait a week, we'll go. No, bugger it! I'll never watch it again. Yeah, yeah, which is not true. Yeah, yeah that's right. Did you watch the Matildas on Saturday? Yes. No. Three nil. They got their start. Twenty four seconds. They got their first goal, America. But I thought they looked really good, our girls, and they could have easily got three or four goals, but they just. Bad luck. Though. Oh, Kia, Kia, what's her name? Um, Simon oh, that missed one. A missed one that literally you could have kicked a blindfold. Yeah, yeah. Yep. exactly. Um, Sam Kerr was unlucky lucky with the long shot she did. Yep. Um, but I actually think that I prefer watching the girls play soccer than the men because I think the game's a bit more open and I don't know, maybe it's the way the Matildas are coached, but they're really attacking. Like they must have had about. Six, seven, eight shots on goal, and did you watch the games? Against, do you watch the games against Brazil? The last series they did, the friendlies they yeah, did. Yeah, I saw a bit of that. Yeah, they were terrific. They were great games. You're right. The the, yeah. the, the style they play is really good. It's good and to watch. I think, well, you know, what are they? Fifth or sixth in the world? Where Something and maybe like it's that. just the way girls play, which probably sounds terrible, but it's just the game is a bit more open, and yeah. um, but. You know, I the three nil. It doesn't look good, but I watched the thing and I thought that girl Ellie Carpenter. Oh, I love her. Right, you know, she's, she's a controlling unit. the ball, and she still can outrun two people that don't have the ball. How much skill does that take? Yeah. I was amazed with her. No, I thought they were great. No, she's terrific. Really she missed the last game in the the World Cup, I think, because of uh, suspension. She got a yellow card, uh, got a couple of yellow oh. cards. So she's terrific. She's really good. Tell you, though, I, I watched the WBBL, bits of the WBBL final uh, uh-huh. between the Perth Scorchers and Adelaide. Yeah, it was Adelaide. Um, it was awful. Oh, really? Oh, it was terrible. It was, was, it, it, it was one-sided awful. or? No, well, no, it wasn't one-sided really, though I didn't think Adelaide looked like they are going to win it. It just, um, it just wasn't very good cricket. It was just – it's what Finley and I have talked about before. The bowling was, I thought, ordinary. The fielding was ordinary. And the batting was, you know, nothing to write home about. Um, well, I thought it was a really, really poor game. And the yeah. commentators – were trying their guts out to make it sound like it was the tide test yeah, in Brisbane yeah. in 1961. I, I saw a bit of those highlights, yeah. I agree. I just, um, there's a good game of cricket going on at the moment that you've interrupted me watching. Who's playing? Yeah. Oh, India and New Zealand. Very oh, okay. tight. India, they need about 300 to win New Zealand on the last day, but they're two for 100. The, Is this a test? One of the guys out tonight, Is it a test? Yeah, yeah, test yeah. match. Very, okay. very evenly fought. So good. Really good to see. Um, you know, my sporting highlight of the week, I'll tell you, I didn't see it. I don't really know the bloke of the name that did it. I don't know who he did it against. I actually can't tell you for sure that it actually happened. I've got it on my news feed. <laughs> so I, if it happened, then a bloke, his name I don't know, fought for a world title in boxing against a very good boxer mm. whose name I can't remember. And had an upset victory. I either dreamt it or it's 
fake news or it actually no, happened. His name is. And if it happened, it's one of the great wins in Australian history because the guy he beat um, beat the famous Russian. There's a great Russian fighter called um, uh, begins with L. Anyway, but he beat him, and so to beat him would be enormous. Yep. His name is Berger, and he holds four world titles, I think. And as they were saying on the news, he's a burger with the lot. <laughs> he's, uh, he's, it's Ferocious Cambocious, I think his name is, or Bosis or something like that. Are you talking about the Aussie bloke? Yeah, I thought his last name was Burger. No, it's it's, it's uh, Cam, Cambosis, I think it is. Uh, his nickname is Ferocious now, Ferocious Cambocious. And he, the bloke he beat was a bloke called Lopez, I think. Um, yeah. Oh, Lopez. Yeah. I, I watched. This is it every second box of Bob Lopez? <laughs> exactly. Uh, Trini Lopez, this one was. Um, <laughs> no, not Trini Lopez at all. Uh, the, this I watched five minutes of the highlights of it uh, where it showed him knock. He knocked Lopez down in the first round. Yeah. Um, and then after that, it looked like Lopez was going to literally belt this bloke out of the ring. Yeah. And, and then in the end, he, um, he fought back in the – Sec, uh, the last sort of five or six rounds and took, I think, uh, the two judges gave him a on points and the third judge, I think, split it. So um, That's a good effort. And he won four titles by winning that. So did oh, that's, you, that's boxing. So that, okay. Did you see the Muhammad Ali documentary on the other night? I watched a bit of it after you alerted it to me on uh, Twitter. I watched it. It's a it four-part series. Ken Burns making it, you know. Yeah. Smoking Matt Ken oh. Burns with his Vietnam videos and all those things. He's the best documentary maker in the world. Yeah, actually, I saw I, saw, I liked something. I was going to ask you blokes about it. Now I don't know whether it's been on already. It might be five years old. This show, but it was part one of something. I don't know whether it's again. Well, that narrows it down. Part one or something. Okay. It's called it's called Tick Fucking Talk. Have you seen it? Uh, is that the Doug Anthony All Stars? Yeah, thing? yeah, yeah. Yep, I've seen bits of it. Tim God, Ferguson and um, Tim Ferguson and uh, Paul McDermott, yeah, and, yeah, and, and Richard Friedel. They, they, it's really, really well done because they go back through the history of the band and everything they did, and they all talk about it, including Tim, yes. who has MS. Yes, he does. Um, and then separately, as concurrently, you know, as part of the show, Tim talks about his private battle with MS that none of them knew about. So. He talks from the band's perspective with them and then he talks separate from them from the secret he kept because they split up for 12 years and he never told them why. Mm. He just said at the height of their success in England, that's it, I'm done because he's MS, um, the things that were starting to flare up were just too regular and he couldn't play piano and whatever, whatever. Like he said, this is what he said at one point, he goes, it was, for a long time it was the elephant in the room but the problem was it never got further away than the corridor. And in the end, I couldn't get it out of the room. So he just quit. And for 12 years, they just didn't know why. And they probably didn't like him. Mm. And then they found out. Now that, then they sort of reformed. It's, it's very, very good. Very good. They're doing shows at the moment, I think. They're actually doing a tour at the moment. They've re, yeah, re gone and, and re, rebooted their tour. And they've got some great stories of these really unusual shows that they were on, on the ABC, whatever. And then they've got footage of those shows. You know, one of the things that they did when they were in England, whenever they were interviewed, they lied. <laughs> complete lies, complete and utter lies. And it used to get published. So the first thing they said was, um, we're the Doug Anthony All-Stars. We're named after former Prime Minister Doug Anthony, who was 
assassinated in office. The only Australian Prime Minister to be assassinated in office. He was assassinated by a Nazi four days into his being Prime Minister. And they wrote it up in the London Times. <laughs> no one checked it. Uh, they, they claimed, all three of them claimed we were in um, oh, the movie with Tom Cruise, I don't know, like one of the, one of the big block, oh, no, no, oh, it was one of the, it was a big blockbuster movie. No, the first Batman movie with the Joker, with oh, Jack yeah. Nicholson. Yep. They claimed they were in it because there were some characters in it that were heavily make-upped and didn't dress. And for years they were presented as, you know, star of Batman. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Got away with it. Yeah, yep. Yeah, I wasn't a massive Doug Anthony fan. I, I really liked Tim Ferguson. He's a, a lovely, lovely bloke. Yeah. Um, never been a Paul McDermott fan, I must admit. Comes across a little bit nasty sometimes. Bit bit on the mean. sort of smug, yeah, bully. Yeah, smug and mean, mate. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the other bloke, uh, he's been a long-time ABC radio presenter, I Yeah. Richard Feidler, so and yeah, I, Richard Feidler, that's yeah, it. But quite, I, like I, I'm stuff. not into it. I'm not into the either because it was really just sort of parody songs and mayhem. It was yep. not quite crazy enough to be our Monty Python, and not quite sort of clever enough to be what you know our Saturday Night Live. But nevertheless, their own personal story of how that band functioned because they they lived to you know they were in each other's. Pockets for many years. They're all from Canberra. They met busking. Didn't they used to? Do, didn't they used to take the show outside onto the street? Weren't they yeah, famous yeah. for when doing that? Just, when they got to England, they went for the Edinburgh Festival. They got off the plane and they just started busking in England because they were very late. They got a very late offer to go to the, the Fringe Edinburgh Festival and had a terrible time slot. Like some, they got pushed to like twelve thirty midnight out in outer Hebrides of Scotland. So it was hopeless. So they just went into the middle of London and started busking and they ended up as a vox pop on some show. <laughs> and that show said, come on, come on, our last episode. And on that episode they had um, Dame Edna Everage. Oh, God. And they managed that to dwarf, you know, Dame Edna's always just takes over the show, but their craziness just completely threw, threw Barry Humphreys. You can you can actually see for the first time. I actually saw Dame Edna completely out of character. Just Barry Humphreys looking at him like, "Get off my fucking stage!" <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. Yeah, it was good. Uh, no, that is a, a doco worth having a look at. Tick, yeah. tick tock, tick fucking doc. Uh, now, no need to swear. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. Uh, now, yeah, I don't like the word talk. Yeah, I'm I'm against it myself. Now, I wanted to ask you about. Uh, well, the one the one uh, RIP for the week that I do want to mention is Stephen Sondheim, who died at the age of ninety one. One of the great uh, songwriters of, uh, I guess, more stage and musicals than anything yeah, else. Yeah, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah well, he wrote West Side, so the, the the words for West Side Story and Sweeney Todd and uh, a whole lot of uh, a whole lot of shows that were staged on the on the West End and uh, on Broadway. Uh, and the, the the big, massive, great, big, huge hit that he wrote that. Uh, I think everybody but probably you, Brian, has done a version of is Sending the Clowns. Isn't it queer? <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Isn't it strange? Yeah. I mean, his contribution to sort of um, in terms of music, in terms of theatre, et cetera, oh. is, is, is from my perspective an absolute blight on entertainment. If you, if you took his wedge of work out of 
the public space and the public space would be a much cleaner and pleasant place to be because I hate musicals, I hate his songs, <laughs> I hate his songs in musicals <laughs> and I, I don't, you know, Vale Stephen Sondheim, he might have been an absolute sweetheart but fair income. <laughs> I can write a musical. The only person I hate more obviously is, you know, Rice and who's the English one? The Andrew Lloyd Webber. Yeah, Andrew Lloyd Webber, you know, that looks like Toad from Toad Hall. Yeah. <laughs> to get to be knighted for singing songs like Leaning Against the Lamppost. Leaning. It's raining. You know, he's just describing what's going on. I did my shoelaces up. That's brilliant. He's a genius. <laughs> yeah, yeah there's, there's a lot of theatre songs like that. It was like Okay, we're going to go to the races. Okay, let's go to the races. Exactly. That's exactly We're going to the races. We're going to have some fun. We've already established that you're going to the races. Sing the song about being at the races. You know, there's a, you oh. know when you go to somebody, do you ever think something that you don't say? The only worst criticism no. of somebody is, do you ever say something that you don't sing, which means you're in musicals? Oh, my God. Yeah, I'm not a fan of musicals in terms of where they walk around and sing and that, but yeah, you have to have some appreciation of what it goes to uh, goes into writing a musical, though. I would have thought. There's some great musicals. Oh, I yeah. reckon some of them are written on aeroplane flights over. I saw Miss Saigon. I told you. I told you. Oh, that shit. I saw Miss Saigon. I, me and my wife got the best seats in the house. We only had to pay the booking fee of five dollars. And the people that took us, very generous to take us. And afterwards they said, what do you think? And I said, honestly, it's the worst $5 I've ever spent in my life. <laughs> the, the end scenes with these helicopters just, you know, not only is the music bad, there's background noise of helicopters. And I was thinking, yeah. oh, my God. You know, and I think it was Victor, Victor Morrow got killed Vic Morrow, by yeah, a helicopter yeah, yep. filming um, a Twilight episode. And I was praying, I hope it's the same helicopter. I'd love to see these dickheads <laughs> decapitated. Oh, I thought for the five bucks you paid and you said you had the best seats, you would have been in the helicopter. <laughs> yeah, well, I just looked around the theatre. I thought, it's full and they're clapping and they love it. Oh, you can feed these idiots anything on stage if they like that. And it's it's quite a little operetta. So oh, you've got these God. muscly army men and you really feel like here in Fortunate Son and um, all along the Watchtower. Yeah, correct. I mean, it's all about the great journey from room three to room five. Big friggin' deal. Oh, my God. <laughs> it, you know what? It made the English patient feel like the action movie of the decade. <laughs> <laughs> uh, very good. Uh, my I'm, wife took me to the English patient and, uh, you know, she, halfway through she said, are you enjoying this? I said, this, the English patient, she said, yeah, I said, I put it to myself, I said, the Australian impatient. <laughs> yeah, very good. <laughs> Time to leave. Oh, the hate of that. I've, ne- I've never watched it in, in its entirety. I watched a very small amount of it and went, nah. Mm. Never put myself through it. Couldn't do there it. There is a time to watch it. Really? Yeah, it's got two hours to live. <laughs> watch it, watch it, because it'll feel like you've lived another ten years. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Hey, our chart this week, we've got to get to that. It's July 30, 1989. Now, the reason I chose this one, mm. I wanted to work out, because we've done the 1990s a few times, and I'm trying to work out where music actually died before it hit the 90s. 
I think it died in 87 when the X-Men folded. Is that, well, I'm willing to go with that as a date, given that uh, I looked at this chart and by geez, this. You can see the 90s starting here, can't you? Because it's all of this electronic sort of dance shit and all the girls are trying to be Madonna are going, oh, yeah, why don't you touch me? Uh, and it's just shit ass. Uh, uh, hey, uh, speaking of Madonna, didn't Essendon draft Madonna? No, we got Maradona. I thought it was some bloke Madonna from the um, VFL. They said, oh, yeah, oh, McGraw. They said, yeah. They, I heard Madonna yeah. is mature age. I said, well, 63 is mature age. <laughs> she's not acting mature, I tell you. Isn't right. there a photo of her doing the rounds on social media with her, yeah, yeah. With her bare bum up in the air doing something, like a, looking like a bike rack? Who's this? I, I believe that her plastic surgeon has pulled – her body so tight and so upwards. Within a week, within a year, she she will have a goatee, <laughs> and, and, and she'll have a goatee oh, and Greg Peck, a Gregory Peck chin. You know that chin Gregory Peck used to have. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. James Rain's got one. Yeah. Yeah. She'll have one of them with a goatee. <laughs> Little bum in the in the face. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, goodness me. chin, I think they call it. Yeah, yeah. Thank goodness you don't bring photos, uh, you know, for show and tell when you talk oh, about ser- subjects seriously, on this. I mean, I mean, you know, she'll be double wrapped by the time she's gone. <laughs> it'll, it'll, her whole body will have done a lap of honour. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Now, that so that's the chart. No, 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 no. I'm trying to work out. Um, and that's what I wanted to ask. I watched a couple of clips. You're right about everyone wanting to be, but everyone wanted to be super sexy. Like almost every yeah. female clip I looked at in this, hard, they've got hardly any clothes on mm. and they're just like – pouting and carrying on like they're in the middle of a porn film. It got to the point, I reckon, I got so sick of it, you know, and I love seeing scantily clad women. Me too. But it just became like the record companies going, oh, well, we'll make this girl a sex bomb. And they all end up looking like like strippers. And, you know, I just got to the point, it's like, look, just put some clothes on and let's hear you sing rather than these... Keyboard players that are producing and doing all of the music. It's just dreadful. Yep. Hardly a guitar on a lot of these songs. Yep. Yep. A lot of Aussie uh, material in, in this chart. There is a lot of Aussies in that. That's a good thing, but. Not a lot of great Aussie stuff. Uh, well, I was going to point out that a lot of it looks to be manufactured um, by um, record companies and things to, yeah. to get them in the chart. It, it looks awfully like to me. Yeah, it became very difficult for Nozzy. I mean, seriously, these charts reflect what people bought as singles, doesn't it? Supposedly. Yeah. I mean, what – I think it was overseas in 1989, but what – did we become North Korea? Was there nothing on the shelves? Because (laughs) some of these songs, if people bought them, there could have been no other place to spend your money. It's just ridiculous. Anyway, it's all all about – Record companies trying to be creative and create, we need an Australian Madonna. We need a, you know, and it's just, just we know we need somebody that's really unique mm. and is her own person and sings her own songs and she just, that's what we need, not somebody prancing around in some bike shorts going, 
ring my freaking bell. Ah, glad you mentioned which her. You, which <laughs> might give you a clue. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. You ring a bell with me, don't worry about that. Uh, we'll get to that. All right, You're so. getting my ding-a-ling. No, why don't you, uh, and I've got some, uh, and I want to, again, thank the people who are contributing uh, on the Facebook and uh, and Twitter feeds with their thoughts about it. Uh, we've got a few already for uh, for this week's chart. Thanks to all the crew that sent it through for last week. It's much appreciated. If we get a chance, we'll get to some of the comments. You can start, Brian. Okay. Good or bad, Keith? Well, you can start with one of each. All right. My good one, and it's not a great song, but I like it, and I was listening to it today before I looked at the chart. I'm down there and I like to listen to sort of obscure songs, and it's Paul McCartney, but what's good about this one is that he wrote it with Elvis Costello, so Elvis Costello sort of helped Paul raise his game a little bit. And um, I actually really quite like My Brave, Brave Face by Paul McCartney and Elvis Costello. I think that's good pop song. I'll, uh, I'll confess here that it was on my list of songs that I couldn't remember and I didn't get a chance to listen to it. I can't remember it at all, to be honest. It's not, it's not bad. Okay. You know, it's it's probably a 7 out of 10 song, but it's um, but it strikes a chord with me, so that's... That's fine. Well, just before you go on to your um, next one, just want to ask you both, are you going to look at the Get Back series that's come out, this three-part series yeah, that Peter my, Jackson's done? My brother saw the first two and a half hours of it and he said there's no sort of commentary. It's just fly-on-the-wall stuff. Okay. But is, I, don't know, says, I don't know. know. So is it Beatles from another perspective? Yes, it is. It's, yeah. it's Peter Jackson sort of who made them. Yeah, I Peter, can't believe there's another perspective of the Beatles unless – Unless their proctologists have some internal shots. I mean, boy. That's the highlight. Isn't there eight hours of it? I mean, it's great. It's great that there's new stuff. It's amazing. Two and a half hours. So I think there's, if you're not a mad Beatle fan, I think you might get bored with it. But for somebody like me, it'll be be fine. Yeah, me too. I think I'm just intrigued with you going to watch it. What's your number three in the bad one? In the bad? um, Well, I've already mentioned it, so we'll... Go for <laughs> Colette, ring my bell. Oh, darling. She had the bike shorts. Remember that? And oh, yeah. I reckon she might have got to sing at a rugby league grand final as well. Oh, no, I don't remember. I don't remember. She reminded me of my first girlfriend, same sort of looks, but I just wondered whether she was as big a mole as my first girlfriend. Oh, Brian. <laughs> no, Kevin, Kevin, <laughs> I can't sweep this under the mat. This girl, if I was home 20 minutes late, she'd be written somebody. It was – we've spoken about it. We're friends. She's in my book. I called her a different name. It's called Amber in the book. But, um, yeah, Colette reminded me a lot of her. It's all pretty and not much substance. Although the, the Molly girlfriend, she had more substance than Colette. I liked her substance, actually. So did everybody. All right. That's they loved en- her substance. That's enough. Now I'm just trying to fix it. Right. You can't. It's too late. The genie's out of the bottle. Um, <laughs> Finey, what do you got for me? Three and three. I'll go good first. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure whether this will be met with much approval from you two. Mm-hmm. But I actually believe, well, you know, I mean, Guns and Roses, before Axel Rose I don't think there is a before he really liked heroin, but before heroin really destroyed him. Um, great voice. And I think some of their ballads 
I don't like really power ballads, but I like a couple of theirs. And Patience was a song I really did like. Um, I had a long-term relationship, a long-distance relationship that didn't work with a really good-looking bird. She moved to London. And that was my girlfriend. You were having a crack at her too. Um, yeah, I thought I, I thought I was being played. I thought I was doing catfish before that existed. Uh. I, I knew there was a problem when she said, when she said to me, "Oh, you were so great at that gig up on stage, a little, and I love you. You're so cute, little, and gorgeous." I thought that's not me. <laughs> it's just not. And when she called me Brian, I thought that's definitely not me. She well, she said to me one night. She said. Um, I think I'd like to study the Jewish faith. And I thought, <laughs> that's not me either. <laughs> and I like the way you're always lying on your bed. Um, that was me. No. So, yeah, the, we used to, <laughs> did you ever make mixtapes? God, I was 24 making a mixtape. Crikey, I must have been hard up. Um, but, yeah, Patience was a good, I, I like Patience as a song. Yeah. Do you not? Yeah. We'll hear, hear more about that later. Yeah, yeah. yeah. a lot of whistling at the beginning. Yeah. I um, mm. yeah, I'm not. Oh, a, yeah, there's whistling. I don't much like Guns and Roses. I and it, I do. Yeah, no, I never really, never really want them. So, what's your number three in the bad? All right. Um, now I'm doing this as a perspective of of a mid fifties man now, or mm. I can go back as a twenty four year old, or I could be an embryo. Or I could be a cactus. <laughs> if you like that Eco Eco song, or Ico Ico, I think it's Eco Eco because my Eco Eco. Yep. Yeah, the, the, the what's been called corrected me when I said, you know, the Google, when I asked to play it. Yeah. And, it, it, you know, I sometimes have words with the Google when it corrects me. Mm. And I told her, I said, it doesn't matter because we're not getting to the chorus. Um, <laughs> oh, my goodness. That, that song, you know, that's actually that song. I'm sure I heard it over and over. It's one of those songs they played. You know that Sideshow Alley at the show when they yes. had like really crazy fast rides, like yep. the Matterhorn back in the day or whatever, and they just play annoying songs with it? Yep. I just reckon that song was blaring out from somewhere all through my taking my kids to the show and whatever, and I'm pretty sure if you kill somebody while that song's on, you can get away with it. <laughs> yeah, the Bell Stars was the version that's in this oh chart. Oh, my God. Ico, 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 Ico. Da, da, da. Yeah, it's one of those songs. It is. It's awful. It's terrible. Mm. Um, what do you got, Kev? Bat Dance. Oh, Prince. I'm sorry. Yes. This yes. was his attempt to do Thriller or his attempt to do a James Bond-type song. And, I, you know, there's a lot of Bat Prince I like, but this is one god-awful song that just, uh, for me, <laughs> it's... Yeah, and uh, there's that line in it, if you can't dance with them, you should eat them. And we all know what happened there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes. He's, so, very, uh, he's very overrated. I reckon that soundtrack was hyped into the charts by the movie people and the record company that probably invested in the movie. But, you know, he did some songs that are really good. The next one, the production is shit house. And, no, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of Prince at all. I know he's a terrific musician, but what he did with that, that, those talents I don't like. Yeah, I like some so of his well songs. Called. I do. I do like some of his songs. This is not one that I have any uh, fondness for at all. Now, uh, I've got a female group as my number three in the good. Um, mm-hmm. 
and you're going to poo-poo it and you're going to go, yeah. No, I'm not. I reckon I know who it is. Because I, I, um, I re- I've, well, A, I'm in love with the lead singer. Um, so am I. Oh, just I think she's one of the most beautiful-looking women I've ever seen and I've said that to my wife. Uh, I have a photo of uh, me with this particular woman up on the wall in my office um, because she's just drop-dead gorgeous and I got the opportunity to meet her. But I actually thought no, this was a good None of <laughs> What? No, None yeah. of us scary. <laughs> I, uh, I, I actually reckon this song is really good. I think it's got really good harmonies in it. I actually think it's a quite a good song. I just, it just occurred to me, this isn't the one Prince wrote, is it? Prince no, he wrote uh, Raspberry Beret and he wrote, um, he wrote Manic Monday for he, them. Manic Monday, that's the one he wrote. That's right. No, it's The Bangles' Eternal Flame. I think it's actually a very good song. I think it is too. Mm-hmm. Um and what I like about it, it's been played to death a little bit. Yeah. But two things I like about it is the producer, when he was recording it, told our little friend. Susanna Hoffs. her name is, Suzanne. He told her that when he recorded Olivia Newton-John, Olivia just get completely in the nude and sing. So she went along with it and got in the nude in the booth and sang the song, thinking that would help her better. No, he just wanted to see her in the nude or just mm. wanted her to see whether she'd take her clothes off. But I like it because... Okay, it's a girl singing, but imagine Elvis singing that song. It's like a really good Elvis song, but it's a girl singing. That's interesting. I hadn't thought Close of it. Close like your that. eyes. Yeah. <laughs> darling. <laughs> you know, you could have a little monologue in the middle. Is that making your yeah. best list, is it? No, no, it just oh. missed out. Okay. All but right. it was, it's one I really like. Okay. So I like both your choices, Keith. Thank you. All right. Well, uh, you're up. You're number two. Okay. Number two, good one, mm-hmm. Tom Petty, I Won't Back Down. You know, it's simple, it's fairly raw, it's got everything it needs in there. Great lyric, I won't back down. You know, no, I just think, I think Jeff Lynn produced it, but I just think that song really speaks to me and um, I love the production, I love Tom Petty's voice. So that's my number two good one. Yep. Do you sing that? When you do the Wilburys thing, is that part of the Wilburys uh, or not? I think Nick Barker sings that one. Okay. Yep. Yeah, so I don't get to do that. i got Cheetah and Twitter and the Monkey Man. That's right. Um, number, that was the good one. Yep. Number two, bad. Mm-hmm. Debbie Gibson, uh, Electric one? Youth. <laughs> what the hell is going on, Debbie? It's a producer, a keyboard player is the only person playing on it. They've got rap beats and Debbie's trying to get a root and she doesn't sound like she's really into its holders. So, you know, it's just, oh, yeah, when you touch me or whatever she's saying. <laughs> just contrived bullshit. Um, probably a cheap record to make too because I don't think there's a band. But, no, I, I think that is just absolutely appalling and it's music made to make a dollar not music made to express itself okay express a, a feeling so piss off debbie gibson yeah like both your choices there brian uh finally we're at your number two good and number two bad number two bad gazumped debbie gibson electric yell <laughs> i can't add any more yes. to what Brian said, other than to say, if there is a GoFundMe page to have her <laughs> musical back back catalogue destroyed or sealed in a cave, I'm I'm happy to put some money in. Um, <laughs> number two, good. 
Do you like the song Onion Skin? I do. Yeah, I yeah, do. I do. I really like it. Yeah, me too. And I think underrated. Me too. Underrated song, underrated band. I'm sorry, just, you know, I mean, sometimes we miss, I don't know why, but how come they haven't sort of um, had no longevity in our music psyche? Oh, they might, they might have some. They're bloody good, BCO. Well, they get to do a day on the green and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, I, I think they're very They stick I, them on first the good. and then they've got Wendy Matthews coming on four acts later. You know, they're a great band, Boom Crash Shopper. And if you listen to um, the Midnight Oil album with the cha cha you know, they've got the same producer that – Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, And, you know, Midnight Oil sound a lot like a lot of stuff Boom Crash had already what, done. What was their big hit, Boom Crash Opera? Um, Dancing um, in the Street. Hold your hand yeah, up. Great lyric. Yeah. Lying in the bed, I know you are awake, but I will not give in. I will not give in. <laughs> and That's another great. one, another of the um, um it's a real it's a that it's um, a, hands up in the air. Yeah, it's a real anthem song. It, it's yeah. just, it might not be my favorite song, but I'm surprised it's not used more as sort of a, a yeah, for sporting events or whatever, because they've got they got a big presentation, being Crash Opera, yep. with yeah. their music and their. I like, I, and I like Onion Skin because it's a bit of a. It, it pulls back a little bit, but it's very good. Yep. And Dale is one of the greatest singers in the world. He'll tell you himself. Yeah, I, I just sing and, the shit and, out of that. I just, I just <laughs> nail it. And you know what? He does. I like being Crash Opera so much. When you hear my number one best, you'll know why. Yep. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm I'm number twoing that as well. Onion skin. I love it. I, and yeah. I I'm an unabashed uh, Dale Ryder fan. I think he's I think he's one of the best frontmen going around, Brian, to be honest. I think he's one of the only people that they should have considered to replace Michael Hutchins. Oh, bloody oath. And Hutchie used to rip him off a bit because um Dale would be on TV and suddenly he's wearing a suit. Then a week later, Hutchie's wearing a suit. Yep. Dale gets quite annoyed about that. I said, I did that first, and then he's just copying me. You know, <laughs> I was the only person that could possibly sing those songs and have the <laughs> presence that Michael had. And I agree with him, actually. Oh, I do agree with you. So what, was, what was the song? Sorry, what was the song? This is the best thing that has ever happened. As I understand it, they tried ecstasy for the first yeah, time. That- and, and, that's, and that's the song that resulted from it. You know, this is the best thing that has ever happened. But, but to I reckon me. that wow. worldwide—that's a really good line and really well sung. You know, I mean, I'm surprised yeah. that I haven't seen it. Like, you know, that—that's whatever NFL's you know song yeah. presentation yeah. song for the year. It's great. The record company spent shitloads on them. Um, they always telling me about some song that they re-recorded. Might have been the best thing or whatever. And you know. I don't know, Dale probably put a bit of sauce on it, but he reckons we spent a hundred thousand pounds just re-recording the song. <laughs> you know, and it was no better. Hundred thousand pounds, that's about three hundred thousand dollars on one song. Yeah. Good on you. Yeah, it's amazing. I, I, I just doing you know, doing my thing. I like uh, I like Dale as a uh, I like Dale and I uh, he's a good I, guy. I just think he's a really good singer too. And he's, and he oh. has he has great stage presence. He fills a stage. Um and uh, even and he though fills, he doesn't do much, just no. shuffles around, but no. he commands your attention. Mate, he's very charismatic. He's a very charismatic human being. He's the Rod Mulliner of Australian music. Rod Mulliner? Well, <laughs> he was Australia's Roger Moore of, of acting. Rod Mulliner does still to this day an enormous amount of voiceover work. He has a beautiful voice, Rod Mulliner. 
Right. Give so him a pack of smoke, see how he goes. Onion skin is my number two as well. I'm with you, Finey. Uh, and my number mm. two bad, well, uh, kind of gazumped again. I'll go, I'll go Colette. But, look, I'm happy to go with the other song she has in this chart, which is oh, which was the follow-up to Ring My Bell, which Ring My Bell was a, a neat awards song from the you 70s. Bang My Gong. No. <laughs> Piss me off. It's a new thing. Uh, it's called All I Want to Do Is Dance. It is it makes Ring My Bell sound like something that John Lennon, <laughs> Lennon and Paul McCartney wrote. It is a piece of crap. So I'm happy to whack uh, Collette in there. Uh, and we point out her name is Collette Roberts, not Collette Man or anything else. It's Collette Roberts who went on to do absolutely. Whoever she was doing to get the record deal in the <laughs> no, first place. Oh, You can't <laughs> say that. I, look, it was a joke. People know that You've I'm disgraced a yourself. And nobody enough. takes what I'm saying as serious. Well, they're about to because you're about Except to be the police. You're about to be um, <laughs> number one good and number one bad out of this chart from uh, 1989. Now, just a couple of comments before you do. Um, Deborah off the uh, Facebook page said her number three was uh, Onion Skin by Boom Crash Shop, and number two is Lullaby. Number one, Fine Young Cannibals. She said the bad songs for her, the other 47. Um, David Chet said apologies to Kate Sobrano, but what were they thinking back then? Must have been a lot of recreational drugs available. Well, I don't, not for Kate, I don't think. No, and uh, and I'll, I'll just save um, Julian Greg Langham's one till after you do your number one good and bad voice. Brian? All right. My number one good, I was probably going to have onion skin, but since it's got enough attention all right now, I'll go for just – Flashback for me having a good time in 2016 and watching um, Jazz Flowers and Thurn sing this. I want it all by Queen. I think I want it all is a is a great lyric. Mm. You know, I want it all. Simple. You know what's saying? Great. Yep. So I think that's a great song, and that's my number one good one. Mm-hmm. And my number one bad is the one that finally number three good. It's Patience by Guns and Roses. Whoa. Now. Who's the bass player that wrote most of their good songs? Duff? Yes, McLaggen. Yeah. Well, Duff gets a copy of the album and then he gets to track 10 or whatever it is and he goes, what's this piece of shit with the acoustic guitars and the whistling on? He didn't even know it was going to be on the record. He'd never heard the song before and it's just the guitar playing's not good, the whistling's not good. It's... Here's a band that's successful or, you know, look like they're going to be successful. Now they're starting to get indulgent, which is what they did with Use Your Illusion 1 and 2. But their best songwriter in the band hated it. And I just think it's a nonsensical lyrics. It's trying to, I don't even know what it's trying to say, but I'll tell you what it is doing. It's, it didn't try to piss me off, but it certainly did. <laughs> just get stuffed. Jesus, Jesus. Okay. Fair enough. I mean that in a positive and constructive way. Of course you do. Of course you do. Mm. Pretty much a bit of a recurring theme here that what appears on one of our lists appears on the other list of uh, one of the other people in this. We're, we we are musically polar apart sometimes, the three of us. What do you got, finally, for your number ones? Number one good. Mm-hmm. Well, I really think that they're sort of the international version of Fine Young Cannibals. Um, is his name Roland Guest? Gift. Well, Roland, Roland Rockicelli, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, Roland Gift. Um, yeah, I mean, that song, look, 
I, I've got to thank doing this program. You do a lot of music research, and I've come back to find young animals. I think Johnny Come Home, by the way, is utterly brilliant, better than this. Johnny Come Home, if you want to hear a song that comes out of the radio at you, that's it. Yeah, but it good is. Things, that's it, yeah. Good things not far away. And why on earth wouldn't they play that at the Melbourne Cup Carnival? You know, I mean, because that's what we call a yeah. horse that wins. Good thing. It, you know, I'd like to see Daryl Braithwaite run over by a horse at the 200 at the Valley. <laughs> I, nothing against you, Daryl, but you've been that close to the fence and ruined and ruined a part of race day singing that sightful song of yours. It isn't even about horses. Good thing it'd be great. You know, that's what you call something that wins it. You've yeah. had a bet on, a good thing. Go you, good thing. And then afterwards you play, this is the best thing that has ever and happened, happened to, to me. celebration music. That's good music. It's yeah. fun. It's all brilliant, <laughs> but it's it's memorable, enjoyable. And, you can, you know, if, you've, if you're, for all those people out there, given the um, – Oh, it's 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 Helen's fiftieth, and well, we've got people over. They want they want me to put something down on Spotify. Happy birthday, Helen! Because you know we're tight asses, and we don't want to pay anybody to come and play it. Well, put good thing in there, you you won't lose. Yep. People will get up, they'll dance, and if they won't dance, they'll go. Yeah, I know that one. Good thing. Yep. Yeah, so I like it. All right, and what don't you like? So this is where I'm breaking new ground. Now I don't know what this 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 self promoting peon. Look, this bird, Debbie Gibson, has another song in the charts <laughs> and it's oh, worse no. than Electric Youth. So I went and looked up on it. What's it called? It's, I don't remember. It's horrible. How, how she gets a double banger going in these charts. Fair income. So I went to her website and she must have written her Wikipedia herself. <laughs> you know, an international singer, songwriter, producer. You know, she sounds like... Um, what's his name? Jones. What, what was the producer? The Quincy, Quincy Jones. She sounds like Quincy Jones. Um, uh, uh, Prince. My, what, all rolled into one. This is "Lost in Your Eyes." Is the song you're talking about? What is it called? "Sleep in Your Eyes." No, "Lost in Your Eyes." No, there's something yeah, else in your eyes. So you you read it, and this bloody so she got, Debbie Gibson is an international chart topping. Sensation and has been for two decades, and then you hear the charts and she's topped. Adult contemporary—that's this fake chart that always pops up. Adult mm. contemporary—it exists between. I think adult contemporary is somewhere between the last radio station on your car and the side mirror. I don't know what <laughs> it is that they do top forties for, but nobody knows. You know, oh, I had a top forty hit or modern progressive rock in Finland or something. So she's got all these friggin' self-appointed numbers. It's like the boxing. Yes. The WBL champion of the world, Debbie Gibson. <laughs> um, she's got a record she claims went triple Platinum, but the platinum's in inverted commas. What does that mean? It was like a, a wrapped in platinum. She's she's bullshit, man. Her <laughs> songs are bullshit. Don't buy a Debbie Gibson song. I, I know I'm about 30 years too late to warn people, but if I had a time machine, I would not go back and kill Hitler. I would not go back and invent um, a cure for cancer. I would go back. And tell people, do not buy Debbie Gibson. I wouldn't kill her. I'm not going to kill Debbie. It's not a threat. I'd just say to the public, please, it's 1989, people. Do not 
what what is the message from the future? Do not buy Debbie Gibson. That's the message. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> not a bad message. Don't encourage Debbie Gibson. Exactly. Feed her. Very good. Very good, funny. Very good. Look indeed. at her website. She's a fraud. <laughs> Uh, well, my number one's uh, good is not certainly not a fraud. My number one bad, I'm sorry. I just uh, I know he probably had to do this, and he probably made a lot of money out of it at the time. But Jason Donovan's version of Seal with a Kiss should have been sealed in a in a vat of some description and, and thrown in the middle of the Pacific Atlantic, Tasman, whatever sea you want to pick or ocean. Just throw it in there because it is awful. It is not. It is not a, a, it's a good a, song. Oh, I was going to say it's not a horrible song by any stretch of the imagination, but it's a song that you can make sound as sucky as by singing it like he sings it. <laughs> it's like it's not a wimpy song. It's a lovely uh, thought. Uh, it's a it's a nice sentiment. It's and gonna be a long, maybe lonely summer. Maybe his defence for singing that song is what is now known as the Jason Donovan defence. What's that? Oh, it's 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 quite common practice in the theatre that I do, in the music I do. It's quite common to do what, yeah, ruined songs. Thanks, Jason. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, well, my people do that all the time. <laughs> it's quite normal. He uh, he he did a very good job of ruining that song. The song that I did like. The, the, the well, he was a bit upset when he recorded because his girlfriend had just run off with Michael Hutchins. So how do you think he's feeling? Yeah, but he, he got lifted the Technicolor coat, didn't he? Yeah, he did get a Technicolor coat. He did. And he, and he always liked the coloured condoms, I'm told. Yeah. Very good. Oh, jeez. The things you find out on this program sometimes. Uh, so that's my number one bad. Uh, but, gee, there was a, a fair field of um, Bette Midlers and Madonnas in there that could have oh, easily yeah. could have easily jumped in there. Easily jumped in there. And my number one good, uh, I've gone Australian again. No, I haven't gone with Ross Wilson's Bed of Nails. Good I ha- haven't gone with James Rain's House of Cards. I wouldn't either. <laughs> haven't gone with Kate Sobrano's Bedroom Eyes. And listen to the start of Don't Wake Me. Oh, he's, he's, you know. Well, we should, we should also mention that the number one song was the absolute ripoff of Brian Manning's Roxette. I mean, oh. they were doing Brian long after Brian had stopped doing Brian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How dare they? They replaced me with a Swedish female version of me. <laughs> How dare that group come on and people, many people said, oh, he sold out bride. Look at him. What's he said? <laughs> <laughs> What's with the tits? What's he doing there? <laughs> uh, so I didn't go with the, the look by Roxette either. I didn't go no. with um, I didn't go with Johnny Diesel who's in there. I didn't go with um, Funky Cole Medina. That's a good song. I like that. Yeah, not a bad song. No, I, I went with Come Anytime by the Hoodoo Gurus as my number Good one. song, yeah. Good song. Uh, like the way Dave sings it. Um, they're just a good band, the Hoodoos. Just a, one of those bands that makes you feel good. So Great song, great vocals, great band. They just beat out John Williamson's Rip Rip Woodchip. Yeah, it's a Surprised that didn't make a, an appearance on somebody's list. What oh, I, if I could have the fourth worst, <laughs> I don't even know Rip Rip Woodship. 
anything by Williamson will be in my work. It's interesting. There's two songs. Two, there's two songs on this on this chart. One, uh, "Rip Rip Woodchip" by John Williamson, and the other one, "If a Tree Falls in the Forest" by Bruce Coburn, which are both kind of about the whole wood chipping and uh, forestry and uh, you know all that. But uh, if a tree falls in the forest, might tend to have just a tiny weeny little bit more, um, I guess. Um, Credibility going forward than rip, rip, wood, chip. Why has John Williamson not taken up my advice for a worldwide hit? He should sing God Save the Queen. God Save the Queen. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, she's really true blue, mate. Our gracious queen. <laughs> she likes Vegemite. <laughs> God Save the Queen. If you wait 10 years, you'll have a hit with that. And then you can just say the word, you can change the word to king. And he'd say, What? God, King, the Queen? That doesn't make sense. <laughs> uh, well, it was good to see the Queen in here with that, with the song, you know. Listen, yeah, yeah. yeah. I want it all. She's yeah, just very good. telling it as it is. And I respect her for that. All right. That is uh, rock and roll for another week. We've another sub- long episode, Kev. Yes, it is a bit. It's uh, over the one hour. We want to keep it down to an hour if we can. Um, What's happened to me? I've lost my light. I, I look like I'm a. <laughs> I can't I even like see. This, sexy with you. This is I'm weird for me. Mark Vine oh, after dark is in bed. I'm in perfect light and have been the whole way through. Mannix has gone to four different shades as we've continued through the hour, and finally disappeared completely. Fifty shades of grey, actually, Kev. <laughs> yes, fifty shades of. Uh, but Brian looks good. Brian, if that's what Brian wears. Regularly, if this isn't a fancy dress edition, I don't think it is. <laughs> no, it's, it's no, a I'm saying day. that Brian is true to himself. Oh, actually, I'll send you that photo, Kev, so you can see, so everybody can see Finey rolling around on his bed. Yeah, send me that. That'll be up oh, on This is fair income. I went to industry yesterday. I do. I, the, the girl there said, oh, is this, is this the one shop a year? I said, beg your pardon, one shop every three years. Anyhow, <laughs> so I bought a whole lot of things and she tried to sell me a, a T-shirt without any sleeves on it. A singlet? And, and I didn't know, I was so outraged, I didn't know what to say, but I'll go back there if she tries again, I'll say, who do you think I am, Brian Maddox? <laughs> yes, exactly I'm right. I'm not a roll star, I can't wear that. <laughs> Chicks like arms, apparently, I don't know why. But they like arms, so you keep your arms tanned and looking okay if you can. All right, thank you for that uh, fatherly oh, that, advice, You Brian. know what, that's good actually, news for Oscar Pistorius, so you don't need your legs. Can we um, – actually, we should talk about picking up chicks on an episode, yeah, do a well, whole episode. The top three good and bad um, – Pick-up lines. Pick-up lines. Worst pick-up lines, best pick-up lines. that would be good. All right. We'll workshop oh, it. Hang on, here you come, Jim. Thank you, Brian. Yeah, thank you, Kev. Thank, right, thanks, Kev. Thank thanks, you, Mark. Thank you, Mark. When are we, when are we doing that episode? I'm going to go out and pick up some shits. <laughs> well, I'm hoping to learn something so I can. <laughs> oh, go away, you two. Go away, you two. Bye-bye for now. <laughs> See you next week. Right. Bye. Bye-bye. You've just experienced rock and roll. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Facebook. <laughs>